0: Welcome to the New Life Baptist podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. And we are going to continue this morning in Galatians chapter 5. I want you to go ahead and go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. And I want you to go back to Galatians 3. We're going to be there for just a moment. So once you find Galatians 5, 16 through 25, Mark that, go back in your Bible to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to continue this series this morning called Dear Church, the different letters that Paul writes to the churches, and this morning we're going to look at the book of Galatians, and Galatians, man, it is something you have to step off into. Uh, We're going to take off the floaties, we're going to jump in the deep end, we're going to step into some stuff this morning, so you guys, I'm going to talk fast, so you've got to listen quick. There's a lot to cover this morning, and I don't have a clock back there, so we're going to all believe in the power of the Lord and His timing today. Paul writes the book of Galatians, and he's really trying to talk to the believers at the church in Galatia as this group of Judaizers come back in, these people who really want to revert back to a different gospel than that of Jesus Christ. The the church is growing, and it is is growing so exponentially. There's so many Gentile believers, those that are not Jewish, that are not Israelites, and they continue to grow and grow and grow, and there's so many being saved, and this group of people come in called the Judaizers, and what they do is they say, hey, 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 We we know that you're all about Jesus in this gospel. But if you really want to be right with God, you've got to do these things as well. If you really want to know God, to please God, if you really want to be saved, then you've got to fulfill this old Mosaic law. You've got to live out the commandments of God. You've got to be circumcised. Over and over and over again, if you read the book of Galatians, these Judaizers keep coming in, and Paul is addressing them that it's only by Jesus Christ that we are made right with God. It is by grace through faith you have been saved. You've been saved, and this is not of yourself. Over and over and over again, Paul continues to address them, to challenge them, to charge them to not turn, as he says in chapter one, verse six, in essence to a different gospel. Can I tell you that there really is no other gospel because the only good news is that of Jesus Christ. That is the true good news. There is no other gospel that saves. And so Paul, he writes the church concerning the law, how justification and salvation is through faith. He compares the old and new covenants. He explains the freedom of the Christian. He expounds upon the Christian walk by contrasting the spirit and the flesh and the war that is raised. He encourages them to not give up To continue to do good, that they would not grow weary, for in due time there will be a reaping if they do not give up. And he gives them a final exhortation, to carry one another. It's an incredible book, and it has challenged and charged and encouraged me greatly. I say this book several, several times as we were at camp and just been reading through it, saying, God, we're on earth I possibly bite off a piece of this with a lot of time that I have and begin to teach. And here's the greatest thing God revealed to me in this. I'm called to live a victorious Christian life. I'm called to live a victorious Christian life. I don't know about you, but I want to see God do something he's never done before. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be saved, be baptized, be a pastor. I personally want to live and walk with God in such a way that we can't distinct the two and tell them apart. I think too often, many of us as Christians, we get in this cycle where we begin to grow with God after salvation, or there's a spur or an encounter in our life or we begin to, to grow, but eventually we grow stagnant. We grow cold towards the things of God. We go to church, we read our Bible, we have our checklist that we, we mark off every single day, but nothing's happening inside of us. And we turn back to ourselves and to sin and our own efforts and say, maybe if I just try a little harder, if I push a little deeper, if I do more good things, maybe then I will experience God, I'll encounter God, and I will grow. It's a cycle over and over and over that we see in the entire Old Testament. I'm going to go ahead and give you the secret to the whole thing today. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you every moment, and they didn't. You were called to live a victorious Christian life. Maybe you're not that person who continues to live in sin and you see this cycle of coming back to God and repenting and getting on track with God and then falling again and then getting back on track with God. Maybe you're that person who's a seasoned saint in the room. And maybe you know the Bible, you know the Word of God, you study the Word of God, you've seen God do things in your life, but you've forgotten your first love today. No longer are you enthused and passionate about the gospel that is able to save. And God would challenge us and encourage us. He says in Galatians, you were running so well. Who hindered you from the truth? Too many Christians we see as we run the race we've been called to, they just give up. God doesn't call us to give up, to shut up, to be quiet, but to stand firm. The Bible is full of a Christian who is active, who is alive in the Spirit of God. So I want to live the victorious Christian life. I want to see God do something I've never seen before. I want to see God move in incredible ways before I get to heaven. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm going to be with God for all of eternity. But I have a short amount of time on this earth to make an impact for the kingdom of God. So I want to do all that I can to live in victory that others would know the name of Jesus. Church, would you agree that that's what you want today? Man, if we don't have a desire to live in victory, to overcome this world because the God who's in us greater than this one in this world, if we don't have that desire, then do we truly know Christ? If there is no desire to grow, then is there really a desire for Jesus? We're called to take steps, church. And Jesus, he's not back yet, and I'm not called home. And so I know what the Bible says about me, right? I know the Bible says that I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ, that I'm a light to the world, I'm a new creation, I'm righteous and holy, I'm a warrior, I'm an ambassador, I'm the salt of the earth, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I'm a saint, I'm a citizen of heaven, I'm God's workmanship, and I am free. Because we're just saying, who the Son sets free is free indeed. But can we be honest for a moment? We're family. There's a lot of days I find myself quoting Paul in chapter 7 of Romans. What a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Why? Why do we continue to wrestle, to struggle? Why do we continue to do the things we do not want to do? God's called us to live the victorious Christian life. You know this Jesus Christ, He stepped out of heaven, He took on flesh, He came to earth, born as a child, as a baby. He grew up and he knew no sin. He was perfect in every single way, yet he came to his own. His own did not receive him, but they despised and they rejected him. They crucified him. He became a curse for me as he hung on the tree and he gave up his life and he died and he rose again. That's the God worth living for. That's the God worth serving. That's a God worth living victoriously for. So how do we do that? My whole being, I want to see God move, but here's what I know about the book of Galatians. Until the people of God start to move in the work and the will of God, we will not see the move of God. Until you begin to walk, to step into the will of God and the work of God, you will never see the move of God. If you're not seeing God in your life, he's never left, he's just waiting for you. He's always there. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He has something incredible for your life. More than me as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, as a minister of the church, God has called Cody by name. God has called me individually to know him and to follow him. And that's the greatest thing I can do with my life is to live faithfully, to live victoriously. And what would happen in a church if you agreed and you began to do the same? What could God not do with a church who said yes and began to step and walk in faith and victory? God absolutely loves us, absolutely invites us to be a part of what he wants to do. And I can't just sit back and watch the world burn. Too often, Christians, we believe in passivity and quietism. A Christian is not called to just sit on the sidelines and watch people that are dying and lost and going to hell just suffer. We're called to engage, we're called to walk. So the first thing that we gotta do is this is we've got to work out our sanctification. We're gonna go Galatians chapter three, verses one through six. Says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. For just a moment, I want you to understand the context of what's happening here. There's the Judaizers that have come into the church, and they are just saying, you've got to do the law. You've got to do these religious ceremonies, these rituals, these customs. This is how you please God. This is how you get right with God. And Paul says, no, it's Jesus Christ. He says, you have been set free. Verses 1 and 13, you can look at those. He says, you have been set free. You've been set free from the law, but also from sin. And so Paul begins to go in here and dissect this and talk about hey, how are you saved? Was it because of you? Do you have power to save yourself? Is there anything in your own, your resources, your power, your strength, your might? Is there anything you can do to save yourself? Absolutely not. The law cannot save you. The law cannot save you. And so, why would you expect the law to sanctify you? Why would you rely upon yourself? that you could possibly become more holy by your own strength, your own power, your own resources. I love what he writes in Romans 7. He talks about the law and says this, Or do you not know, brothers? For I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused the law. We were at work in our members to bear fruit for death, but now we are released from the law, having died that to, to that which is held us captive, so we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Church, there's a lot of people who, when they try to measure their sanctification, they say, Okay, how much and how much effort did I give in my Bible reading, in my witnessing, and singing spiritual songs? and going on mission trips, and doing good works. Paul would totally, totally say, you're wrong to measure things by your own effort. You're wrong to measure things by your performance for God whenever we measure sanctification by his performance through us. And so hear me say this, Bible reading, studying the word of God, praying, worshiping God in spiritual songs, fellowshipping with the believers, going on mission trips, witnessing, those are incredibly good things that every believer is commanded to do. Every single believer is commanded for us to do those things. But it's the Holy Spirit who produces that in us. It's the Holy Spirit who works in us. Otherwise, what would be the difference between you, the atheist, who sits here every single week, who reads their Bible, who sings songs, who prays, who goes on mission trips, who worships, who witnesses? You see, there's something different about you, and it's called the Holy Spirit inside of you. Every single person, when they call upon the name to be saved, they receive the Spirit of God. Why is that good, church? Why is that so, so good? Because at all times, every single moment, God has placed himself inside of you to lead you, to restrain you, to guide you, to comfort you, to give you peace, to give you assurance, to take you where you ought to go. Every single moment, you have God with you. How do you live the victorious Christian life? Through the Holy Spirit within you. Work out your sanctification. It is absolutely essential. In fact, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fill them. Here's the beauty of the law, the Ten Commandments, the law that God has, the old Mosaic Covenant. Here's the beauty of the things that God has for us. No longer is it an external restraint to keep chaos from happening. It's now an internal motivation. We love God so we keep the law. We love God so we do the works that God has called us to of the law. There's a beautiful illustration of this in Exodus chapter 21. Verses 2 through 6. It says, When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out, not go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring to God, and bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear with an owl, and he shall be his slave forever. Here's what that means, church. The two scriptures we've just read about. You have died to the law. You have been given Jesus Christ a better covenant a perfect covenant. You've been given his Holy Spirit. So to go back into the law and to look at your sanctification, your growth, your separation, your holiness, as you grow and become more and more like Jesus, if you look at how much you do religious ritual things that is on the outside, then you're committing adultery. That's a hard thing to eat, right? It's a hard thing to step into. Those things are absolutely essential and necessary, and we're called to fulfill the law but the law is dead to us, and we are made alive in Christ, and so now we keep the law because we love God. This just talked about a slave would be set free on the year of Jubilee. After six years of serving, the seventh year, they were able to go free, but if that slave said, no, I love my master, I don't want to go free, I want to serve him, and they would put an earring in his ear. Can I tell you that that's the heart of every single Christian, and ought to be, that we've been given such freedom, and yet we want to be slaves to Jesus. We want to serve him because he's the greatest, perfect master. He's our father. He's perfect in every single way. And our master leads us where? Besides still waters. It's so, so good to be a slave to Christ, to want him to lead you. And so he works out this sanctification that it wasn't through their own works that they were saved, but it was through faith. That it wasn't through their works that they saw miracles, but by the spirit of God. So he wants to work out their sanctification, The next thing he says is we are to walk by the Spirit. This is going to be back in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Not in Ephesians, that's next week. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desires of the flesh are against the Spirit— and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. A love that we see that there is a great work. In verse 22, it goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Walk by the Spirit. You want to have victory in life. The Bible says that you are to walk by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We see Him produce all these things. And can I tell you, these are good things. That it says that there is no law against such things. That means there's no restraint. That Spirit can produce as much as He wants to in you. The fruit of God. There is no reserve. There is no limit. There is no restraint. Let God have at it in you. Let Him do a work. Let Him do all that He wants to do in full surrender. Because God desires for you to bear fruit, much, much fruit. (coughs) When we see the word walk, that implies something that's active. It's a verb, it's moving, it's a habitual way of life, it's step by step, moving in a direction. Walking by the Spirit means we go from where we are to where God wants us to be. But often we look at our walk with God like we're on a treadmill. Man, we're running with all that we can. And we're putting in a sweat. We're working hard, right? We're running and we're running and we're running. We're doing all these things, all these activities, all these rituals. We got so much going on. But where do we end up? Nowhere. For some Christians, it's that way. They do over and over and over and over again. And they they run themselves ragged, but the Holy Spirit's not in it. Or maybe you're a person who says, I'm like the flat escalator, right, at the airport. I'm just going to stand here and Jesus take the wheel. And I'm just going to go wherever he sends me and wherever he leads me. And that's incredible to say, but God says, no, you're called to walk as well. The Holy Spirit will get you where you want to go, but he's called you to walk, to begin to step, to begin to move. God calls us to a mission, not to passivity when it comes to our part of our life that he has given to us. Too often we're, as Christians, we're so passive and we're afraid to engage in the fight that God has for us. We're so passive and we're so quiet that we just say we're not going to change. We're not going to resist anything this world does. We're just going to stand here. But God has called us to be warriors, to be more than conquerors, to be ambassadors, to be salt of the earth, to be a temple, to be the Holy Spirit inside of us, to let it go and to let it flow. And it's so incredible to see that God wants to do so many things in us, but He won't move until we do. God calls you to so many things, but you will never experience them if you don't start moving, if you don't start walking by the Spirit. I've got a picture of my son, I believe. This is from church camp this week. That's him on the left up there climbing up this thing called the Alpine Tower. All right, we conquered some fears this week. It was a good time. The man Eli, he is terrified of heights. And so what he would do is he would go over to this left side or the right side, wherever it was, he did this several days, and they would hook him up to a harness. There would be a person over there that was like a belay, and they would have uh, the rope that they would let out, They'd be like his anchor. And what he would do is he would begin to go up this, and then he would panic every single time. And I love that. Here's what happened. Eli, although he was hooked up, had to still step every single step. But here's what's incredible. There was a person who had him the entire time. There was a person who was speaking to him and saying, hey, step here, buddy. Hey, step here, buddy. Hey, grab here. Hey, just lift up your left leg, guiding him every single moment. But guess what? For Eli to ascend the tower, he had to what? Climb. There was a part where he was involved. There was a part where he had to do something. That person wasn't just going to sit there and just pull him all the way up to the top and say, I hope you had a good ride. No, he said, I want Eli to be active in this, and so I'm going to lead him. I'm going to guide him, but he's going to have to step one stone at a time. Same for the life of a Christian. God wants to move incredibly in our lives, so we've got to be ready to move and begin to step into what he's calling us to. Begin to know the will of God, begin to know the work of God, and begin to walk in it. Walking by the Spirit. The Bible talks about several different things, what we're called to walk in as Christian. Some of them are humility. We're called to walk in purity, to walk in contentment, to walk in faith, to walk in good works, to walk differently than the unconverted. We're called to walk separated. We're called to walk in love. We're called to walk in light, to walk in wisdom, to walk in truth. So church, if the Lord is calling us to walk, we must move. We must begin to step Into what he has for our lives. Otherwise, we become like the ones who say, Lord, Lord, and we're only hearers of the word and not doers. God has called every single person in this room who professes the name of Jesus Christ to be a doer of his word. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables you to do that. So we walk by the Spirit. And this sounds so easy, right? Okay, just listen to the Holy Spirit, do what he says to do, and it's all going to be great. But Paul says, but, there's this thing called flesh. Verses 17 through 21, back in Galatians chapter 5, says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There it is. There it is. Why do we not live in victory? Because Paul says there is this flesh. There is this flesh that has its desires and its passions that's still in us. So we're called to war against self. We've got to wage war. Can I tell you this? The greatest problem in the world, no matter what we do to fix it, with all the external things that we do, Housing, transportation, education, income, medical care, uh, presidential campaigns, doesn't world peace, world hunger, whatever it is, those are incredibly good things. But man's greatest problem is man himself, his sin. And so what happens when we do all these things to try to better the world is we just find new and sophisticated ways for opportunity to sin. Over and over and over again, if we would focus that man's greatest need is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only one that can save and make us right, maybe then we begin to move and work towards the kingdom of God. Our greatest need is to defeat the inner us. And can I tell you this that we can't do it by ourselves? In our own power, man, we are weak. In our own strength, we have no might. It is only in Jesus Christ that we can wage this war. How does this work? Because if you're with me, we're looking at this, and we say, okay. But this verse goes on to 24 and says this. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified this flesh with its passions and desires. And so is Paul speaking contradictorily here? No, not at all. What Paul is saying is that that system was broken because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died and gave up his body, the flesh and its passions and desires were crucified. We receive the Holy Spirit of God, but guess what? We are not yet glorified. We do not stand before the Father right now in heaven with him in perfection. We have his perfect spirit within us. But Paul says this, there's a battle every single day that's waging war, a conflict. The flesh is literally set against the Spirit of God, and they are butting heads every single day. Paul says it beautifully in Romans chapter 7. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Amen? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not do what I want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I want, do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. And here's what I quoted earlier, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And Paul answers, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind and with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Do you have the ability to do as Jesus commanded the woman caught adultery and to go and sin no more? Absolutely, because of the Holy Spirit within you. But there is a war that you have to wage every single day against yourself. There is a flesh, some residual that's still left of your old nature, of the flesh, of your propensity to sin that you have to say no and crucify every single day so that God can lead you, so that you can walk, so that you can live in victory. You have to war against yourself. I love that if we're passive, if we do nothing, then nothing will change. But if we engage in the fight, and here's what that, that, there's just such a beautiful picture of what's supposed to happen here. It's literally like you are wrestling with yourself. You are engaged and you're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I can't hold this on my own. I can't do this on my own. And so Holy Spirit, come just dominate me. God, just come control me. God, all of me, Would, would I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Not that you receive more of him, but that you are more accessible, more available to him using you. Are you engaged in the fight, Christian? Are you engaged in fighting the good fight? Are you engaged in putting to death the old self so that the new can rise up and lead you where you want to go? If you continue to live in sin, I would encourage you to begin to submit to what God wants to do. There's not enough programs, there's not enough methods, there's not enough humanism things out there for you to get right with God and for you to conquer. It's only by the Spirit you have victory. The Holy Spirit is what motivates you to love God, to serve God, to follow God all your life. Amen. And so, yes, read your Bible. Yes, worship. Yes, fellowship. Yes, sing songs. But don't do them for you. Do them because the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you and through you. Don't do them to try to get more right with God because that won't do it. Only the Holy Spirit can make you holy. Surrender. Resist the devil. Resist temptation. The last thing we're called to is to work on our stepping. Verse 25 says this. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is a beautiful military term. It's not the same as walking, right? Walking, we're just stepping. We're gradually moving one step at a time at God's timing, his purpose, his provision. But keeping in step means it's more of a military term if you're listening to the cadence. I remember back in the military, my T.I.'s. Huh, two, three, four. Hut, two, three, four. And every single time I would know exactly which foot to put down, where I'm supposed to go, where I'm supposed to step. You ever watch a group of military graduates that were marching? They were so perfectly in sync with the cadence of their commander. As Christians, we've got to get in step. I mean, We've got to get to a point where we begin to walk with God and we say, okay, God, where am I going? Where are you leading me? What am I supposed to do? How do I know this? By his voice. He says, my sheep will know me, they'll know my voice. We know the voice of our God. You want to know what God's purpose and plan for your life is? Then you've got to know the will of God. Where do you find the will of God? Well, it's in the mind of his Holy Spirit. How do you find the mind of the Holy Spirit? In the word. That is why we're called to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Begin to say, God, what do you have for me? Begin to read this Bible. And every time you open it, instead of just reading something and checking it off for the day, say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me. Show me what you have for me. Illuminate this to me. Pierce me. The Bible is able to pierce even bone and marrow, your soul and your spirit. Keeping in step. Now here's what Paul, the whole book, as we wrap this up, is about. How do you walk? How do you live in victory? How do you possibly keep in step with the spirit of God? If you go and read the book of Galatians today, you'll find that he mentions faith over and over and over and over and over and over again. We walk by what, church? By faith. What does that mean? It means when temptation comes, I've got faith that God has something better. It means when opportunity arises to speak the gospel, I've got faith that God can save somebody. It means that whenever things are hard and tough, that I have faith because there is a hope that is greater than this present trouble. We walk by faith. When we do that, we walk by the Spirit. we begin to step and move where God wants us to move. So can I just ask you, church, are you walking? Are you walking today? Are you moving towards the things of God? Or are you just sitting still and standing and saying, hey, I'm just waiting on you, God. Because God would say, no, I'm waiting on you to begin to walk and move. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.